rural chums. Welcome to Now Playing's review of Sonic the Hedgehog. Look at this! I took 9 million steps today. Part of Now Playing's video game movie review series. I was not expecting that. But I was expecting not to expect something, so it doesn't count. Hosted by Arnie. You are a weird little dude. Justin. Oh, this one is cute. Let's keep him. And Stuart. You are so cute. Me? No way. This podcast may contain detailed plot spoilers and mild language. No, this is not some fun family road trip. Listener discretion is advised. Here we go. Today we're discussing Sonic the Hedgehog, starring James Marsden, Ben Schwartz, Tika Sumpter, and Jim Carrey, directed by Jeff Fowler. This is Arnie, the now playing co-host who does think Keanu is a national treasure, and Stuart. And, you know, there's never been a better time to get on down to Olive Garden for the never-ending stuffed pasta starting at $11.99, guys. This is Justin. I'm well aware. My mom and I dined there quite often. I was very envious of that $50 gift card. <laughs> if only our government would, would provide that for me. Well, somebody had to pay for the Sonic redesign. There was some copious product placement in this. But welcome. We're back at the Now Playing Arcade. You know, we're kind of going in order of game release, but here we're jumping around a little bit, mainly because Sonic the Hedgehog, the game came out in 91, but the movie came out now. Yeah, and if we're not covering my favorite video game movie of all time, we've at least reached my favorite video game, probably. I can't think of one I enjoyed more. I was an alternative kid. I liked my music different than what was on the mainstream. I liked my video games different than the mainstream. The Sega Genesis was always cooler than Nintendo, and I always thought that this was so much better than Super Mario Brothers. Well, you're not alone on that. I was reading a History of Video Games book, and Nintendo knew they were screwed when House of Pain's Jump Around came out, and they say they played you like Sega. Nintendo's like, crap, that's a popular hip song, and they're talking about the Genesis. Okay. <laughs> yeah, they were the underdog. When I bought my Sega Genesis, they were in the like back of the toy store, and, like not prominently displayed. It was considered a failed system until this game came out and turned things around for them. Well, yeah, before Sonic came out, that system shipped with Altered Beast as the game that came with it. So <laughs> they were struggling for a hit. See, I have a funny story about the Sega Genesis. I was really proud of my Nintendo 8-bit system. And then Stuart came over bringing his Sega Genesis and the Ghostbusters game and Michael Jackson's Moonwalker. Mm -hmm. And I was so jelly. I was like, screw my Nintendo. I need one of these. Yeah. Like how many hours until you had one? Like you do. As soon as you play that, you would never go back to an 8-bit. You'd be like, this system sucks. And you absolutely have to have the Genesis. I did sell off a lot of my Nintendo games so I could go buy the Sega Genesis. I played Altered Beast. I played Ghostbusters played the hell out of Moonwalker, but I had a date and I had no money. And so I sold my Sega Genesis, my Ghostbusters, my Moonwalker, my Altered Beast, so I could get a couple hundred bucks at the local pawn store and go have my date. Then, month later, I'm at a party, not like a crazy drug-fueled party, but the most dangerous thing was some liquor and Swisher sweets. <laughs> Keystone Light. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Raucous party. Mm. I wasn't there. I, I was probably at home drinking milk, reading the Bible. 
<laughs> and somebody brought their Sega Genesis, and I wandered over, and Sonic the Hedgehog was there, and I'm like, <gasps> that's amazing. And so I had to sell my CD collection so I could buy another <laughs> Sega Genesis. I remember you doing this all the time, quite frankly, yes. The transference of I'd have to have it, and then it would be going to the Goodwill for pennies was a common phenomenon with you. I played Sonic, beat it. Then I went to college. I was broke as hell. Sold it again. Yeah, of course. But I sold it to my roommate, so I got to play it all year and played Sonic 2, played Sonic 3 on my nephew's system. So I played a lot of Sonic, and every time I get a new system or a new phone, it seems like Sonic is released on it now. I've been playing that first Sonic probably once every other year or so since 1991. It's the velocity, right? It's essentially a Mario game. It does the same things. You're grabbing rings instead of coins, in-boss, side-scroller. But the fact that this guy could do that spin and like you could barely keep up. Sometimes you'd actually fly out of the screen and then come back down. That was the amazing thing about Sonic. It was so fast. I don't know how they were able to process it. Loved the first game, bought the second one. Not sure I beat it. It was harder, and I remember it was cool because it had that first-person perspective. Sometimes the bonus screens were like you were running towards something in a tunnel. It was really cool. I'd never played anything beyond that. My family was always late to video game systems after the whole Atari thing. Like, it was probably 1989 or 90 before we even got a Nintendo in the house. So by the time Sega came around, I was like, well, you guys just got a Nintendo. Make do with that. But I did have a friend that had it, and we were constantly at his house playing that game. So, yeah, I mean, I played the hell out of the first one, a little bit of the second one, and that's about where I dropped off. Like, I knew it kept going, but that's about where I left it. Let's face it, the Super Nintendo came out and Genesis was suddenly beaten again. Mm. That's when everybody dropped out. That's why Sonic the Hedgehog 3 just didn't have the pull. It was number two where that had like the Las Vegas stage, right? Where you could play pinball with Sonic and he became the pinball and you went to all the bumpers and got all the coins. Mm -hmm. I think even Tails might have been in it, but like it just kind of floated in while you were playing. You couldn't play Tails. Like he was just a helicopter fox that came in for reasons and maybe helped you do things as i recall he followed behind you or maybe that mm -hmm. was three like he was no. with you the whole time yeah was he the whole time yes he definitely was on my tail for reasons but i didn't know his character i didn't know the backstory i didn't know that there was a cartoon to explain all these characters and a backstory i missed all of that other stuff going on well there wasn't i mean sonic the hedgehog came out in 1991 and the story behind it is Sega was like, we need an icon. We need a mascot to compete with Mario. Yeah. They had one. Has anyone on this call heard of Alex Kidd? <laughs> nope. I mean, <laughs> maybe, but I can't even visualize it. So the answer is really no. Yeah, apparently there were games, there were novels, there were comic books all about this Alex Kidd. I don't know if any of them were released stateside. I mean, remember, Sega was always bigger in Japan. There were a lot of Sega Master System games, including mm. Alex Kidd Shinobi. I don't know if that was like a crazy crossover. Yeah, I remember Shinobi. But I don't know if this was a crossover because I think I was playing Shinobi 2 or 3 on the Genesis. So they needed something different. They had a contest, basically, internally. Who can develop the best mascot? Dr. Robotnik was actually one of the characters up for consideration as the mascot. He's actually called Eggman. 
In Japan, he was always called Eggman, and nowadays he's called Eggman again, even in the English stuff. But when they released the U.S. manual, he was called Dr. Robotnik because he has a lot of robots, and that sounds Slavic, I'm guessing. (laughs) So this designer won out with Sonic, who had the blue color that matched the Sega logo. That's why he's blue. It's that exact same Pantone, so they could match that. So they're like, okay, here's the character what's the game? We have no idea what the game is. One of their developers came up with a tech demo saying on the 16-bit system, we could have the smoothest sprites ever. Now, that probably doesn't mean anything to a lot of moviegoers. The way video games used to work is with sprites. What is a sprite? It's a static image. It's a JPEG or it's actually a bitmap. And every time the character moved, you were just like, showing different images. And so you had to have somebody draw all of them. And that's why, you know, Mario looks left, Mario looks right. You don't have him transition. It's just a suddenly you have a different image on your screen. I've done some sprite-based gaming. It's tricky. Well, in this system, they realized they could have so many sprites that it actually appeared to have smooth motion before we had 3D games. And I don't mean like with glasses, but 3D rendered graphics that had smooth motion, they found out they could do this with the Genesis, and so they said, okay, here's our mascot, here's the most impressive sprite technology we've ever had, let's put it out on the Genesis. Huge game, absolutely. But I never feel like Sonic got the Mario recognition because he was a Sega character. He had the first game on Genesis, and then they actually made it less cool and released it for the Sega Master System for anybody who had that one but wanted Sonic. They did Sonic the Hedgehog 2. You guys remember the Sega CD that you could plug into your Genesis? Yeah. I remember that it was coming and I was leaving. That's what I remember. <laughs> I was done with video games at that time. They had, well, they had Sonic the Hedgehog CD. I had a Game Gear, if you remember those. It was competing with Game Boy. It was portable, but it actually had color and better graphics and a battery life of about 30 minutes, as I recall. Mm -hmm. You might beat the level before it goes dark. (laughs) They put out Sonic Chaos for that. And in 94, when Super Nintendo was really hot and we were starting to go to the next generation, they put out Sonic 3, Sonic and Knuckles. Who the hell's Knuckles? Knuckles is kind of a bigger, stronger... Oh, okay. I saw him. I watched the walkthrough of the original to have some nostalgia fun. And then I'm like, let me just pick a random game to see what he might have done in the future. And he was there. There was like a a whole bunch of new characters I did not recognize. It seems like they've always retained what I love about the game, which is that you can fly off. It's all about getting that airlift, you know, moving really fast. In this one, like you were shooting straight up into like the clouds and hopping around clouds. And so you had new perspectives, but it was still the same idea of, rolling, tumbling, collecting rings. Yeah, most of the games retained that. Now, there are some others that I played. I went back and played some of the newer games. What I think Sonic's downfall was, it was a Sega character, and the Sega 32X never really caught on. By the time we rolled around to the year 2000, Sega was out of the hardware business. They're like, we're just going to make games, let other people do the hardware. We lost. I would say that it's a function of 
Sega made their bones by one-upping Nintendo, which started this leapfrogging process until Sega couldn't keep up, and now it seems like video game systems kind of upgrade at the same time. PlayStation 5 is going to come out around the same time as the new Xbox, so they're not leapfrogging over technology anymore. They're just kind of gentlemen's agreement that we're going to do it around the same time. And I think Sega kind of lost that battle, because you can't keep one up in the other guy. And Nintendo got out of the hardware race. I mean, if you want the fastest processor, you're buying an Xbox or you're buying a PlayStation, Nintendo, the current Nintendo Switch, I think has the power of like a PlayStation 3 where they're going to get you is different types of gameplay and really focus on game mechanics and giving you the best games, but they're not even competing in this hardware wars anymore. Right. They knew what their lane was and stuck with it and did it well. And yet I do feel like the Sega... While being number two, always, they did get Sonic in the Macy's Day Parade. They did make a show. I don't know if he had a serial or not, but I feel like they really did try. They wanted him to stand out and be identifiable. And if you were going to make a movie of Sonic, I would have thought you would have done it 25 years ago. Well, they almost did. Remember, the game came out in 91. By the time we get to 93, there's two animated series simultaneously. Oh, I didn't realize that. There's The Adventures of Sonic the Hedgehog, which was after school syndicated. So they did one year and 65 episodes, you know, because they were doing five new shows a week. You can find that on Netflix. I actually hunted that one down. The whole thing is like on a planet Mobius. They just basically make it look like the video game never ends. And it's Tex Avery, Looney Tunes kind of physical humor. They focus very much on the comedy. I could only tolerate one episode of it. And the episode I watched... Dr. Robotnik had stolen some girlfriend from a guy in high school 30 years ago, and Sonic was reuniting this guy with the girlfriend and getting Dr. Robotnik out of the way. I don't think the episodes were sending the message they thought they were sending, (laughs) because it really seemed like they were bullying the fat, bald dude. (laughs) (laughs) There is a way of looking at that. I do think this movie, yes, if your sympathies lie with Jim Carrey, you might have a different experience. And Sonic was voiced by Jaleel White. Oh. (laughs) He was pitched one off from, did I do that? Yeah, I did not like the voices. I didn't really like the animation style. It was just kind of annoying. But I'm willing to write that off as too old for it as well. It's just not a classic. Simultaneously, they had a Saturday morning cartoon. It ran for two seasons, just called Sonic the Hedgehog, ABC, Saturday mornings. Still Jaleel White. (laughs) I'm not letting this go. (laughs) It was the same production company. They just had two different animation teams. Okay. This one was more plot-oriented. The premise was... Robotnik ousted the king of the land and took over this land and the princess is in hiding and she's like Sonic's pseudo girlfriend. They hang out together. Princess? There was no princess in. That was one of the differences between Mario and Sonic was Sonic. I thought it was that Robotnik was taking forest animals and turning them into robots and when you landed on them, the machine would blow up and a bunny would pop out. Yeah, he'd release the bunnies and birds and all that stuff. Yeah. Yeah, that's not what this animal animation series did at all okay and tails is there kind of like an annoying little brother on that i'm judging the quality of the series by how many episodes i could tolerate okay i tolerated one episode of the after school series yeah two episodes of the sonic the hedgehog morning series okay i just couldn't deal with urkel anymore understood then in 96 they actually released a movie 
We're not reviewing it. Oh, good. I'm like, <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> We're adding on to this. It's one of those OVAs where they released it direct to video. Okay, so this is a piece of garbage. Like what you're describing is like what they spat this thing out. No, they put a lot of work into it in Japan. Okay. It's Japanimation. Mm-hmm. The movie ran 53 minutes, by the way. It's short as well as oh. direct to video. Well, then we wouldn't have covered it even if it had come to theaters. But they're calling it a movie. Mm. Is it a third style separate from the two different cartoons then? Yes. This reminded me nothing so much as the TV episodes of Pokemon that were on in mm. the late 90s. Which would huh. have been hitting around that time. I don't think the animated show came out until 97, but... Yeah, that would have been a phenomenon in Japan in 96. It had the same kind of whining, big-mouthed characters, and it had Sonic and Tails teaming up on this adventure because Robotnik had taken the president and his daughter captive and said that the, he'll release them if Sonic goes and stops Mecha Robotnik in this evil land. Of course, Robotnik was behind Mecha Robotnik mm -hmm. and everything, and okay. Knuckles shows up, but it had that Pokemon type of humor. Like I don't think of Pokemon having much humor. It did in the series. Remember that guy who always hit on the girl and always was yes. rejected, that level of humor? Okay. Here, it's like Robotnik is babysitting the this president's daughter who's a pain and will only be good if he plays her in a video game but then he keeps beating her in the game and she's wailing i mean it's just that type of thing if you liked the pokemon series and you like sonic go watch this i watched the entire movie if you want to call it that and i didn't enjoy it but i didn't really like the pokemon series yeah but keep in mind pokemon had a never-ending generation of new characters like there's probably only what five or six friends around sonic the whole time like it wasn't like you always got to catch them all and get some new spinning hedgehog but they always added more characters because they wanted spin-off games like knuckles got his own game for real yeah that thing i mean they're trying to make it Mario. And Mario can have Luigi's Mansion and Wario and all of these characters. I didn't know Luigi had his own side job. Yeah. He had a side <laughs> hustle? Really? Yes. <laughs> Luigi. In a horror-based, like, haunted house game. Wow. Okay. Yeah. See, you're just, you're going deep. I didn't know anything about this. I didn't know that they got so competitive that, like, if you were even, like, a mushroom, you would get, like, your own games. Then in 1999 comes the biggest WTF in Sonic history. I doubt that. It's a series called Sonic Underground. Okay, I'm liking this. Set in a dystopian future. Sure. Mobotropolis. Okay. It's taken over by Robotnik to Robotropolis. Okay. Now get this. It's like some biblical epic. Mm -hmm. And Oracle shows up and talks to Sonic's mother and says... You and your three children will eventually overthrow Robotnik. But to do this, you must hide your three children separately. And so there's a blue Sonic and like a pink purple hedgehog and a green hedgehog, all of whom go to different foster parents while the mother goes into hiding. This is way complicated. I could understand the world is automated and everything is like got gears and clamps and robots, right? Yeah, but everything's dark like it's yeah. never daylight it reminded me of season two of war of the worlds because they have to be in hiding and there's military troops and bounty hunters that's a common trope i think to think of our future being controlled by robots and thus being a dystopia but the children thing and the prophecy is a little weird so what did they end up doing they ended up the three children reunited and formed a punk band 
Oh, of course. <laughs> That's hence the underground. <laughs> they're they're a little late on that trend. I'm just going to say by that point, the Spice Girls and Christina Aguilera were kicking the shit out of all of alternative music. And here's really blew my mind. Still Jaleel White. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Lordy. Oh, my God. Why isn't he in this movie? You know he's so mad at Jim Carrey. That should have been me. <laughs> he had two things his whole life, and yeah. somebody's going to come in and steal his thunder. Yeah, damn. I, I only thought he had one thing, so there you go. This is quite educational, Arnie. All right. Then in 2003, in Japan, there was a series called Sonic X. Now, this is available on Hulu. It's the thing closest to the movie we're going to discuss. Sonic and his friends are from another world. And something happens with magic gems and they're teleported to Earth and they have to remain in hiding because scientists want to take them apart and study them. And it's Sonic and Tails and some of the others. But also from their world is Dr. Robotnik, who's like, I can take over this world with my technology. Okay. I got through three episodes of this one. No. I mean, first of all, it's Japanese. Guess what? No Jaleel White. That's an improvement (laughs) right there. (laughs) It's honestly the best series so far. And I still didn't want to watch it. Of course you didn't. (laughs) But I made it through four episodes. The last one came out in 2014 called Sonic Boom. Believe it or not, this one is actually fine. It's kind of robot chicken. It's computer generation animation. It's CG. I figured. They're 11 minute episodes. Perfect. That aired on Cartoon Network. Yes, that's exactly what all that it could sustain as far as interest before people would be like fidgety. And it's not focusing on the action. It's not even focusing on Sonic being fast or anything. Like, the first episode is Sonic. He's afraid Tails got hurt, and so he's auditioning for a new sidekick, and Knuckles tries out, and... And the second episode, Dr. Robotnik, his place is being fumigated, so he needs to room with Sonic the Hedgehog. It turns out it's a maniacal plot to not let Sonic sleep so that he'll be really tired the next time Robotnik attacks. So obviously aimed at more of a kindergarten type of crowd. No, I think, you know, there were jokes all around, you know? I think kindergarten would have gone with it, but I was kind of chuckling every once in a while. What I'm hearing here is that since the beginning of Sonic, there's never been like one cohesive narrative of who Sonic is, where he comes from, what Robotnik is, what he wants, where they live. It just seems like here's some characters and a background, throw them into a story situation. Yeah, especially with that underground one, it felt like somebody had a concept for a cartoon and they're like... Here, you're making the Sonic cartoon. And they just were like, fine, I'm going to put him in my post-apocalyptic cartoon. (laughs) Yeah, but you know what? If you were going to make a live-action movie, I think any dream of that would have died when Bob Hoskins and John Leguizamo popped up on screen and said, hey, if Nintendo can't do it, Sega shouldn't even try. That's exactly what happened is... Mm. In 93, they started making a Sonic the Hedgehog movie. Sonic was only two years old at this point, but studios were hot for it. Sega was hot to do it. The studio pulled out when Super Mario Brothers and Street Fighter both tanked terribly. Right, exactly. It changes the tone of things. That era of video game doesn't adapt well. Video games had to become more like movies in order for them to work as movies. 
they did try to make one with DreamWorks in 94, 95. It was going to be a 12-year-old named Josh. There we go. So I was watching this movie going, why is it involving a middle-aged man? Why wouldn't you have a child be the central character? I have a theory on that, but we'll get to it. What happened is it was kind of like the recent Jumanji movies. He was playing Sonic and something happens. Sonic jumps out of the TV into the real world. Oh, okay. See, my concept was that the kid would fall into Sonic's world, but okay. So the idea was always to bring Sonic to America, to Mm -hmm. our everyday experience. And God only knows how they do that in the mid-90s. Would it be a puppet? Would it be Who Framed Roger Rabbit? I mean, they weren't at the point with computer animation where they could have gone Jar Jar. My dream would be that they dress up Tone Loke in like a blue wig. (laughs) Or Jaleel White. (laughs) Or Jaleel White. Yes, how could I think of a rapper? MC Hammer, for some reason. I feel feel like that is the kind of role they'd give to like an athlete, like Kazam or whatever that was, or, or isn't trying to be an actor, would be given that role and they would have to just wear that outfit. Well, he was supposed to be small, kind of like the movie we're reviewing. Mm. Never happened. DreamWorks was like, yeah, no. (laughs) Like anything, Hollywood is very game for adapting video games until none of them made money. And these are super popular video games. I mean, Super Mario Brothers, if that's not a hit, then yeah, you really got to question what the appeal is. And yeah, we've covered them all. We know they really stank up the screen. And you're right. Technically, how would you even pull off the hedgehog? He's not popular enough to go forward. So you let it die forever. (laughs) You never make a Sonic. the hedgehog movie so why is it happening 25 years too late i can't understand sonic games are still being made but i don't know anyone who likes them you know (laughs) (laughs) nobody's talking about them they're coming out for the nintendo ds and i have one on my phone i hate it because it's impossible to control without buttons They're coming out for the Wii and Xbox Live. I bought a couple for PlayStation. My God, they're all over the map. One is like old school Sonic. One is a racing game. They did like Mario Kart with Sonic characters where you like fire weapons at each other and are racing against Knuckles and some of the other characters. And then one was 3D. So they've done this a lot. You mentioned the cool thing where you were in the tunnels Mm -hmm. for some of it. Imagine a game where the entire thing is perspective from behind the hedgehog and you're running through stuff. Yeah, been there, done that. And I agree, video games advanced. And you could enjoy this as a retro thing. Here's my best theory. I haven't seen a lot about the making of this or why this came to be. But with Detective Pikachu getting a green light and Sega always competing, they had to think, we can't let this happen. I also feel like hedgehogs themselves are having a moment. I know someone that got one as a pet. I think they're the thing to do right now. Like if you were done with the pot-bellied pig and the sloth and we're going to try hedgehogs for a little bit. So why not bring back Sonic? And then I look up this director. Jeff Fowler has one credit to his name. He directed an animated short in 2004 called Gopher Broke. Guess what it's about? A gopher running around trying to get produce following off a truck. He worked with a company called Blur. That was the animation studio. They also worked on Sonic games. Some of these ones you're describing, Arnie, they already had the license for Sonic. They were already doing some of that animation. He was probably desperate 15 years later to get his directing thing going and said, well, if this is what I have to do and if we can get it cheap and Sega's willing to wade into the waters, let's make this happening 
on the cheap. And Tim Miller, the director of Deadpool, was involved. He was even going to direct this, and it ended up he became a producer of it. Well, he runs Blur Studios. He actually owns the animation studios, and they do other cool stuff, like Avatar and Where the Wild Things Are. Like, they worked on legit projects, not just this kind of stuff. This has been in production for seven years. Mm-hmm. Sony got the rights in 2013. They ended up filming it in 2018 for release in 2019. And then in early 2019 came that infamous trailer. Now, I, I'm confused. <laughs> I remember it coming out, and I remember, like everyone else, I was laughing at it. But my issue wasn't the character design. It was like the fact that this stupid thing was like coming out of the closet that everyone had buried it in. <laughs> this is our, out of the past. This is something nobody was thinking about. Why not Heathcliff the movie? And just, you know, like, we're done with this <laughs> shit. Marmaduke. Like, yeah, yeah. Mar <laughs> well, they did do a Marmaduke. I actually encourage you to go find that trailer and watch the dance sequence. It's amazing. But by and large, yes, this thing is so cold, it'll just burn you. It's so cold. Like, that thing that happens with dry ice where it sticks to you and hurts. This couldn't be less appealing for kids today. Why did they make this? But I guess, what was the beef with the character design? I went back and looked. He doesn't look as cartoony. He had human teeth. Okay. <laughs> yeah, they, it looked, looked like he was more like an animal and less like a cartoon. Yes, and there was some problem with the eyes. You know, Sonic, one trait about Sonic has always been he has like basically one big eye. That's the brow comes down in the middle to create it looking like two eyes. But the first model was two very distinct far set eyes. It was uncanny looking. I will say that it was a really weird looking model. But the whole thing looked sad. I mean, you know, like Pikachu was just, even he could giggle. He was just like, <laughs> all right, I'm not going to be in the worst one. <laughs> It's funny that you bring up the Tim Miller connection because seeing this movie, I kind of like start thinking about how Deadpool came about, you know, like when we first heard rumors that Ryan Reynolds wanted to do a Deadpool movie and then we got this leaked footage with him in the Deadpool costume and him making some wisecracks and then a cool action scene that got people excited for a full movie got the groundswell going and made the movie happen. This feels the very opposite way. Like, <laughs> hey, how about Sonic? Well, how about if it looks like this? No? Okay, well, what if we change it? No? All right, I guess we're going to make it anyway. Well, no, they changed it. They pushed it back three months. They decided instead of a November holiday release, we're going to release it in February. Now, I think they should have moved it anyway, even if they weren't redesigning this hedgehog. Think about how many kids' movies were coming out in November and December. Yeah, up against Frozen 2, this thing. I mean, psh. <laughs> Okay. And now it's coming out opposite, what, Fantasy Island, a horror Blumhouse film? Yeah, Valentine's Day. I mean, who wouldn't want to take a date to this? And I got to say, going to the theater, I have never felt more cool than as a middle-aged man walking in alone <laughs> to buy this ticket. <laughs> I had the best experience watching this. I... Didn't expect this movie to be a hit. I expected nobody really to go. Well, yeah. I mean, again, this is so cold as a concept. I No one's even playing the game. I got tickets for that theater we have in town with the recliners. Then I decide right before the movie to check it. Sold out. Every seat. I got somebody sharing my love seat with me. From what I understand, they had modest expectations for an opening, but they're now seeing it track close to $65 million. Well, I had... I went to the recliner theater, had my seats booked, okay. and I'm like, no, not mm. doing this. I'm going to your secret theater, Stuart. I'm mm. going to the janky one. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's definitely the way to go. The mushroom <laughs> planet, as it were. I get there. 
Nobody. It's in the biggest auditorium. Nobody. Nice. And I'm walking in at like 5.02 and there's nobody there. And I'm like sitting there like, well, somebody's going to come in. I'm not. No. 100% private screening. That is a nice privilege when you can just enjoy the whole theater to yourself. I wish I had Alanis Morissette with me is all I can say. But... (laughs) My theater was fairly well attended. It was a matinee on Friday, and it was a lot of people with children, and me, (laughs) with no children. (laughs) I don't know what's creepier, Stuart, you alone, or a middle-aged man like myself bringing my 25-year-old son into a theater (laughs) half-filled with families. It's like, oh boy, what are these guys doing? But you know what? It makes sense in the sense that Sonic has been around a while. Maybe the reason why James Marsden and some of the pull, why it's going to make $65 is that there are some adults that want to see this because they remember this character from their youth. That was my thing. When you were saying, why not a kid? I don't think there are kids. I don't even think... My nephews, who are now in their 20s, have fond memories of Sonic. They were playing Donkey Kong Country and all of that. They had the Super Nintendo when they were four. Right. So they weren't Genesis kids, and nobody was a Sega Saturn guy. Right. So I think that's why you have James Marsden, who I looked up. I'm like, how old is James Marsden? Because I remember him from X-Men and things, and he felt older than me in X-Men. He is exactly my age. I had no clue. He's 46. And so that is the perfect age to relate to the audience who's going to come in of people like me who played Sonic in high school. And Jim Carrey. I think he never had a heyday bigger than the 90s. I think people who remember him from Ace Ventura and Dumb and Dumber, one, not the horrible sequel or the other sequel, all of that, I think you're bringing Jim Carrey back from the 90s too. Oh my God. That I can't wait to talk about because that is something to behold. But Arnie... Give it to us. We're going to race through Sonic the Hedgehog. But first, come on down for some unlimited breadsticks at Olive Garden. (laughs) I wish I was in Olive Garden. (laughs) I hate Olive Garden. (laughs) On an alien world of anthropomorphized animals lives Sonic, a blue hedgehog played by Ben Schwartz. Are you sure that there were many other creatures there? Yeah. I just saw the owl. No, they were being attacked by other anthropomorphized creatures. Yeah, I did. we're going to talk about that. Okay. That was like, huh? Sonic has a superpower. He's really fast. And when his powers are discovered, he's hunted on his world. His guardian, an owl, gives Sonic a bag of magic rings that open portals to other worlds. To save Sonic's life, she sends him to Earth as she fights off the attacking creatures. I mean, it's like Bambi's mom, right? It's just like Bambi. In fact, it's better than Bambi. Yep. On Earth, Sonic lives in secret for 10 years in Green Hills, Montana. He doesn't reveal his existence to anyone, but he longs for companionship. He forms an imaginary relationship with town sheriff Tom Wachowski, played by James Marsden, and his veterinarian wife Maddie, played by Tika Sumter. But Sonic doesn't realize Tom is restless and excited when his application to join the San Francisco Police Department is approved. One night, Sonic feels so lonely, he just runs as fast as he can, which creates electricity, and an EMP takes out all the power in the Pacific Northwest. The government needs to investigate, so they send in antisocial, egotistical, scientific genius Dr. Robotnik, played by Jim Carrey. Sonic plans to leave Earth, but isn't excited by his next world, a mushroom world with no intelligent life. Procrastinating on leaving, Sonic hides in Tom's shed, but Tom shoots Sonic with his wife's trank gun, and a portal is accidentally opened, and Sonic's rings fall into San Francisco. 
So Tom and Sonic go on a road trip to San Francisco to recover Sonic's rings, all the while chased by Robotnik and his army of drones. And on the way, the two bond as they also try to complete Sonic's bucket list of fun things he wants to do before leaving Earth. And Tom realizes he doesn't need to join the San Francisco police to make a difference in the world and decides to stay in Montana. Robotnik got one of Sonic's quills from Tom's house and realizes it can be used to power his machine and give them supersonic speed like Sonic has. Sonic gets his rings and opens a portal back to Green Hills where Sonic and Robotnik have their showdown. Sonic embraces his electricity power. He opens a portal to the Mushroom World, but he pushes Robotnik through it. So Sonic can safely live on Earth in Tom's attic while Robotnik is stranded on Mushroom World. But we see Robotnik saying he'll be home by Christmas and an anthropomorphic fox named Tails arrives on Earth looking for Sonic as credits roll. And as credits start, rings form around the Paramount logo, and I get really scared. A Sega original film. (laughs) Is there more coming? And did anyone recognize any of the other games that were being played in the Sega logo? I did see Altered Beast in there. (laughs) I played a lot of Genesis games. I didn't recognize one of them, and I was trying to think of what character could be next, and drawing a blank. And then they bring up the Sega song, Sega. And I don't think a lot of people recognize this. They think every game started with that. No, before Sonic, like Altered Beast, you just had the logo and maybe a sound effect that Sega came with Sonic 1 and became this iconic thing when you put in a Sega game. Yeah, I can't undervalue how amazing it was. It was like you had bought a new system when you put Sonic in. Took the Genesis to a next level. That opening title screen, Stuart, it was so dramatic, the way that like they revealed like the Sega originals. Tyler Lee Norman's like, settle down, Sega. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, you'll be lucky to get a Sonic 2, but I don't see that they have a catalog with other characters that will work. Oh no, I see Alex Kidd hitting theaters next year. <laughs> <laughs> I dare them, I dare them. Anyway, we start where I feel like a lot of Kids' movies seem to do this. Like, it's a wraparound story. We see a blue streak of lightning zipping through San Francisco. Freeze frame. Sonic is looking fine. Whatever they've done to him, I don't have a problem with this character design. I don't know if people have gripes. I like it. They don't go for photo real. It's not quite Who Framed Roger Rabbit animated, but it certainly isn't trying to be a real creature the way they did with Detective Pikachu and all of the Pokemon in Detective Pikachu last year where they felt like they were trying to make them real and really freaking me out with things like Mr. Mime (laughs) here. (laughs) It looks like a CGI game that's interacting with the real world, but it does so in a way that works. Yeah, I mean, bringing something like Sonic into a realistic thing is is somewhat of a challenge because he has so many different angles and like just the way his spikes are always drawn. Well, that's always a choice. Just like with the Simpsons, you know, they're always drawn from like three quarters. When you see a Simpsons character straight on, it's like, whoa, that's weird. So like to bring that into 3D, it's got to be a challenge. And I think they did a pretty good job. I was more distracted by just the masking issues of Sonic against the background most of the time, like where his quills and his fur weren't quite matching up with the sky or the green grass behind him. I didn't notice that. I don't have the graphic designer's eye you have. And that may be a result of, yeah, in three months, they completely redesigned this character and put a new skin on him. 
and had to get the whole movie going. I did wonder if they wanted him to look more real, but this is what they could do in the three months they were given. His color of blue does not exist in nature, right? I mean, that was one of the things that made him not look realistic, is he was bright. Yeah, I'm fine with it. It stands out. He stops. He says, I feel like I've been running my whole life, and we gotta rewind this story to the beginning to find out why. I wish we had. We'll never find out why he's blue fast, or anything about this island that he lives on. You said kids' movies do this wraparound. Here I am. I'm thinking of last week's movie, Birds of Prey. He's like, let's back up. I'm like, oh, God, not another sperm and egg. (laughs) Yeah. Well, I don't think they're going to do that in this film, but they could. We mentioned Who Framed Roger Rabbit. We mentioned Detective Pikachu. I do feel like by having middle-aged characters counterbalancing Sonic, they are telling people this is not just for the six-year-olds. There will be content here that adults will enjoy, and maybe even humor that is a little bit more adult or risque going on. Surprise, there is not. If you thought that this was going to be even as risque as Detective Pikachu, I would say this is pretty safe. It's PG, not even PG-13. That was my question. I'm like, I feel like this could almost be G, but it is probably PG. The wet fart joke probably was skirting the line of a PG-13, but for the most part, it is, it's pretty family friendly. Okay, so here we are on the place that we all know. It's an island with loop-de-loops and waterfalls. It looks exactly like the very first screen i think it was called green hills level like i think that's when you play the first game green hills there we are he's zipping around i ain't never remember no owl what is with this owl is this his mother why does he have a power that no one can know about who is this tribe coming to kill them in one of the cartoons the owl was his caretaker there's all these anthropomorphized animals. Now, what's attacking? I mean, because the owl is saying, never use your superpower. Because apparently not all hedgehogs run fast in his world. He is superhuman or super hedgehoggy. That is where we should have backed up to. We should have an origin for his power. We should know why he's faster than every other hedgehog. That's part of the story. <laughs> and then an animal I've never heard of. Yeah, they kind of look like Knuckles, the same type of character Knuckles is. Echidna? Those are what is chasing him. There's a bunch of echidnas. Okay, you gotta be a kidney, me. <laughs> I, I, all right. They look like they were hedgehogs in tribal masks. So the point is that if we understood that his power could be extracted, that if you could hunt this animal and take its skin, you could be fast like that. They had set up anything like that. We might understand why masses of people are storming a treehouse and trying to shoot him with arrows. I watched a lot of the animated series. Apparently, these echidnas are from the comic series. Okay, just stop. Too deep. Can we agree that's way, way, way (laughs) too deep? No one is going to know that except the most dedicated Sonic fan. Like, the one guy in the back that's creepier than me. (laughs) And I'm with you, Stuart. Like, I want to know what makes Sonic special. What are his powers? What are the limits of his powers? And this setup doesn't tell us any of that. We just get a throwaway line of, you're more special than you know, or something like that from the owl as it dies and throws him (laughs) into a portal. Yeah, and keep running. Never stop. Are these things going to chase him into the new world? Is that why he can't stop at the next planet? Well, no, I think if he goes to the next planet, new things will hunt him for his powers. Great. Why not just send him to one world that's safe? I guess the entire point is for him to run until he dies. 
Look, I understand it as a conflict. If someone said we're writing a Sonic the Hedgehog movie, giving him a reason to slow down and appreciate life seems like the kind of moral that you could have this character dramatize. So, okay, but this setup is horrible. I agree. It's so much so fast. And I'm like, did the owl die? Is the owl coming back later in the movie with the echinos? Are those things coming back? That's what I kept wondering. I'm like, those things must be chasing him because otherwise the portal closes. Boof, you're safe. You don't need to go to eight other planets and wind up in Montana 10 years later. And they also make the weird choice of making Sonic a very young child in that early scene. And then we flash forward to many years later. I'm not sure how old he is, but he's definitely grown by the time we catch up with him on Earth. Yeah, they said 10 years, and so if he was, what, three or four, yeah. He's a teenager, is what we're to understand. This is a teenager that's going to relate to middle-aged adults from a red state. (laughs) I agree with you. I don't want a Sonic origin story. I don't want him to find a rock or have a scientific experiment and then be spending the whole movie discovering his powers, because I've seen way too many origin stories. I kind of like that they're dropping us in the middle, but yet it leaves a lot of unanswered questions as, yeah, what is the extent of his powers? Why was he sent to Earth? Who the hell is this owl? But all of it's left behind. I mean, this is perfunctory to say Sonic is a hedgehog hiding on Earth because he's afraid of new things hunting him. And we're still going to get more exposition. I mean, Sonic's talking to us, breaking the fourth wall, and talking about how in that 10 years, he's read Flash comics. I think he should be reading X-Men, because they totally ripped off Quicksilver for half this movie. Mm -hmm. But Yeah, of course, if you don't want to be hunted, you go to Montana. Like, that totally makes sense, just hanging out in the forest of Montana. Nobody's going to hunt an animal there. But... Montana is huge and sparsely populated, and I guess it's really cold in the winter, but I wouldn't want to go to Alaska if I was a hedgehog. Yeah, the setup that they have here is he finally feels like he has found a place where he can stop, where he has made his home, he has gone through seven of the eight planets on the map, and he has rings to go to another one. There is a plan B. Should Montana not work out, he can go to a mushroom world, but he'd much rather stay in Green Hills because, and this is the really confusing part, he has friends here that he can't actually meet. Like, there's this sheriff that he can kind of sneak up on and spy on. I mean, he's kind of creepy in the sense of that he's, like, hanging out in their back window and enjoying these people's lives, but they don't know he exists. If he wasn't cute and friendly, yeah, this could easily be a stalker situation. It is a stalker situation, but a cute one. (laughs) This guy, Tom. Tom Wachowski is our counterpoint. He's the exact opposite of Sonic the Hedgehog because all he wants to do is leave Green Hills. I gotta ask, Wachowski... That sounds kind of like a Polish or Slavic name. Are they doing that because Robotnik, as I said, sounds Eastern European and they're wanting to say not all Eastern Europeans are bad. We're going to have an Eastern European good guy to fight an Eastern European bad guy. I don't see that blur animation had worked with the Wachowskis on any Matrix (laughs) sequel or anything like that. So if it's a reference to the famous filmmakers, I don't get it. But yes, I think that they were searching for a name that kind of echoed Robotnik. 
Wachowski, Robotnik. There is a Slavic population in Montana and Wisconsin and the upper regions of America. I don't know how factual they were trying to be, but <laughs> whatever. It doesn't, ethnicity doesn't really matter here. Tom is a guy that it's said in dialogue, his family has policed this small town for 50 years and he wants something different. So at the age of 46, he's finally ready to strike out on his <laughs> yes. own. Here, so him and his dad, right? <laughs> Uh, you know, whatever. I'm speeding on through. Like Sonic, I'm going to just keep on running past all of these plot holes that are very deep. If you fall in them, you'll never, ever, ever get out. <laughs> What's frustrating is, is this movie feels like it's just moving from scene to scene to scene to rush to an end. And they do pop up some ideas that feel like they would be worth exploring a little bit. Like one of the people in this movie that only is there for a quick punchline is this crazy old guy who's pretty sure that he keeps seeing this blue devil and tries to even trap Sonic. It's like, okay, well, that could be something that we could follow a little bit more. Maybe he is constantly trying to convince the town that there is this blue thing and maybe tom slowly becomes aware of it and you know realize this guy isn't so crazy but nope that's just kind of thrown aside because we we want to get to the next scene as fast as we can absolutely the what if the crux is i want to stay in green hills then we should know the town of green hills we should know a lot more people than crazy carl and the sheriff we should see that he is integrated in some weird way with a lot of people and we can have an ensemble where this feels homey and small town Americana charming. And instead, they decided to do a road trip and they throw all of this away in the middle of the movie. Again, I think it's shorthand, small town, homey. I get it. But it's at this very beginning. Still, they're moving along really fast, showing Sonic on Earth. They're playing Queens Don't Stop Me Now because they're giving that song out to everything. I've seen it in yogurt ads <laughs> and like, I can't make up. There's at least five commercials running right now that have that song. There are at least five commercials in this movie. Yeah, I agree. <laughs> 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 but I start getting the feeling of X-Men Quicksilver here at the beginning. He saves a turtle from being run over, and then he's running, and we get a viewpoint of Sonic running with the turtle, and the turtle's lips are flapping a little. It's just like Quicksilver and Pizza Dog in Apocalypse, right? I mean, it is the same shot. They're telling us this is Quicksilver the Hedgehog. I feel like it only comes into play in one scene when we get to the bar. I feel like they're really aping that, but... Keep in mind, if this is made for small children, small children have not seen that PG-13 violent mutant movie. This is the first exposure they're having to this idea that while everything else is moving in milliseconds for the human characters, the hedgehog is able to have a whole life and an adventure zipping around. I think that that is a wonderful conceit that they could go to again and again here and be very charming for young audiences. Another Quicksilver thing, when we were introduced to Quicksilver in Days of Future Past, what was he doing? Playing ping pong alone. What's Sonic the Hedgehog doing here? Playing ping pong alone. Yeah, that seems like a, oh, yeah. a, a stale joke of like, later he's going to play baseball with himself in all the positions. I guess you have to have a conflict for Sonic. If he's found his home and he's not obeyed the owl mother that died telling him always keep running and he's decided to stop running, the conflict is... And I don't know why he hasn't tried it. He hasn't become friendly. He hasn't gone out and shaken anyone's hands. He doesn't trust anyone not to shoot an arrow in him. I, for reasons unknown, he's not going to make friends at this place that he otherwise finds home. Right, and just more weird decisions. It's like, okay, we need to get Sonic into a conflict, so let's have him somehow discover a power that we're not going to necessarily explain that he hasn't 
figured out prior to this because he's just finally frustrated. And that puts him on the map of the U.S. government, which brings in Robotnik. Like, it, it just gets messy for no reason. Like, it could have been Carl sees it, a few other people see it, and then all of a sudden that puts him on the map of this Robotnik character who comes to town to search him down. Like, we didn't need this whole government thing just for a few jokes at their expense. Not only that, but you could, I mean, you could write it lots of different ways. Robotnik and canon, and following any cartoon or game I can think of, comes from Sonic's world. So that could have been the thing chasing him, rather than that tribe of whatever, I kid you, or whatever the hell that was. <laughs> right. And that EMP power, I thought it made perfect sense. If you're going up against Robotnik, he has a lot of robots. If you have the ability to kill all the power sources to electronics, that's how you're going to defeat Robotnik, right? No, that's not what happens. You're right. And this isn't from the game, I, at least any game that I ever played you would spin and you would hit mechanical things but it was the impact that would destroy them it was not the idea that you sent out some kind of emp wave that just depowers all machines no not anything that i saw there okay so yes we have a lot of ideas that have been strewn about in this first act and no filmmaker or screenwriter has gotten out the broom and dustpan and sweeped away the stuff that doesn't make sense. It's all intermingling with, yeah, this story about essentially, if you just hang with what they're trying to tell you, here's a lonely kid that needs a friend and wants to stay put here and he's going to befriend an older guy who's still acting like a kid who wants to leave. The Donut Lord. James Marsden, you know, he's done a lot of stuff in the past 20 years. X-Men, Superman, 30 Rock. But I sometimes forget he exists. Well, you know, I watch Westworld. He is still on that show. He's different, more mature than I've seen him in any other role. So, uh, yeah. But you're right. He's easily replaceable. He has a generic look. There's nothing about his character. I don't know what he would be right for other than like the generic boyfriend in some romantic comedy. He was in 27 Dresses. <laughs> oh, there you go. He's even done that. I'm like, that's what I would put him in. I don't know what else he's good for. I mean, somebody could make a case, and I would probably believe it, that he wasn't actually in this movie. This is all just leftover footage from stuff they shot for Hop a few years ago. <laughs> I forgot about Hop. And why wouldn't I? Why do you remember Hop is really the question. That's amazing. That's right. He already did this movie with an Easter Bunny. That's right. And That's look- so sad. So they knew they could get him. They knew, again, this all feels like a movie made on the cheap. And they got people that they could afford. They got the songs they could afford, filled it with ads, as you pointed out, gotten these second, third stringer performers. They spent $95 million on this, is what's reported the budget, and that may not include all the redesign and re-CGI work. But to put it in perspective, Detective Pikachu was like 160 So, like, half the price is basically, they're trying to do it for half. Tom is going to go to the San Francisco Police Department. He's opening the letter. He got accepted. And his wife is like, I'm going to Zillow.com where I can find a good price on an apartment. All right, yeah, really, I need to follow this one. This one hurts. So she was prepared for him to either be rejected or to be invited to San Francisco. She's Mm -hmm. got two different cakes celebrating whichever occasion it is. Mm -hmm. But she feels indebted to... Tom because he paid for her veterinarian school. Now it's time to give back. Whatever he wants to do, that's what I'll do. And so she, her sister lives 
in San Francisco. Right? So confusing at this point. And her sister wants her to get a divorce from her husband? Uh, but she's looking for apartments there, but she's not in those apartments when we'll see her later. And most confusing of all, when I'm house hunting, I definitely bring my dog. I definitely bring Ozzy the dog with me and not my husband. That's totally what I would do. He's the sheriff. He can't just quit without notice. Although he is. Well, no, he's he's planning to give notice. He's giving his I quit speech to the donuts. Yes. You know, my wife and I have talked about leaving town. And if we did, one of us would go to be an anchor person. You go, you find your place to live. My father did that when we moved to Florida. My father went first. He got a condo. He got a job. Then the rest of us moved down there. That's kind of what I see her doing. I don't know about her veterinary practice. Is she just going to become a housewife? Do they want kids? I know nothing about this woman. <laughs> she does yoga and Sonic calls her pretzel lady. And that is her character. That's it. That's all you're going to know. I don't even know this actress, Tina Sumpter. I have seen her before. They did a movie about Michelle Obama and Barack meeting for the first time. It's kind of like Before Sunrise, their first date. And she played Michelle Obama pretty well. I actually feel like she nailed it. It was called Southside to you. She was in the ride-along films. I think she was the fiancé, but I've only seen half of one of those. I liked it, but I just never went back. So here, she has no character except supportive wife. I feel like what should be happening here, it's a wonderful life kind of thing of, I've lived in this small town my whole life, I want out, and yet... How do I leave? She should be keeping him here. I feel like she shouldn't be running off. Like she should be like, but we need to stay here and this town needs you. And again, we could meet more people in the town and realize that if he left, they wouldn't be able to function. The only thing we met is this stupid deputy Wade that just doesn't know how to answer the phone and needs help with everything. Even when like, I think ducks or geese steal a bagel, he's got to call the sheriff. There have to be scenes that are cut from this that, like, help establish this relationship between him and his wife and him and his sister-in-law. Because his sister-in-law just straight up hates him. <laughs> she wants him to get a divorce from her sister. And at first I thought, oh, because he's trying to take her sister away from the small town they all live in, off to San Francisco. Oh, wait, she lives in San Francisco? <laughs> I know, it's so confusing. Or maybe she came to House Hunt with the dog as well. I don't know. No, I think she lives in San Francisco with her daughter. That was her house. Yeah, and he just conveniently wants to move there. Yeah, it's so convoluted. And yes, were there rewrites, different ideas? I think this day and age, you don't want to do what you said of having the wife be like, you need to stay here. You don't want to have that stereotype of the nagging wife. I like that she's supportive. Maybe a line about, I like that I'm going to move closer to my sister would have been nice or closer to my niece. But you want to help with the dramatic conflict. Again, if this is a character that's not sure whether he wants to leave Green Hills or is sure that he does, but isn't sure how it's going to be received, it would be helpful, dramatically speaking, to see the hardship on the people around him. And since there are only three other people in this town that we ever meet and some donuts, I feel like it's for all of those people to show how important he is in Green Hills. All right. Yes, I'll agree. This first act is sloppy. But then we get the EMP. Sonic is playing baseball with himself. When Sonic's on screen... I'm finding him amusing, and I didn't realize this until I was looking stuff up after, but the actor playing Sonic, if you ever watched Parks and Rec, he's John Raffio, that stand-up comedian. <laughs> yeah, I love him, and I don't know why they paid him to do this voice. Jaleel White was busy. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure he was. Are they rebooting Family Matters? <laughs> 
<laughs> Here's my thing like with voice actors and getting somebody who has somewhat of a name. It's like when you get somebody who has a name and a voice, it's like Gilbert Godfrey. And it's like, oh, okay, he's already doing a character. Why are we getting to this place now where it's like, oh, you get somebody to do a voice that doesn't sound like them. It could just be anybody. It could be just a voice actor. Why pay for the name when you're not bringing any of the personality into the character is what my question is. That seems to be the philosophy of Pixar. They tend to not pick the biggest stars. They pick the stars that they work well with that fit the character that they're trying to do. And so lower tier actors have a second life suddenly, like John Ratzenberger is suddenly employed all over again after Cheers is canceled because he's really good in that environment. I want to say, I think this guy is good. I didn't watch Parks and Rec. I don't know him from anything else, but he is as good as Ryan Reynolds was as Pikachu. So yeah, I, why pay? Ryan Reynolds' salary. I don't think they did. I mean, Chazu, you're like, why get the name? I don't think Ben Schwartz is a marquee name. He's no. kind of niche. You know, if you've seen Parks and Rec, he also did mocap for the facial expressions here. I mean, they went out with him, but I do think he is a lesser known person that maybe just had the right speed to his voice. Yeah, let me back that up. I have no idea who he is and have never seen him in anything. Okay, but I guess what I'm saying is, is you could pay scale to somebody who's just a voice actor. They might have. It's <laughs> I, I consider him on that level. I Maybe I'm wrong, but I see on his resume he's done Turtles cartoons and DuckTales. So, yeah, he's that guy. Sure. Maybe I just have a little bit of higher estimation of him. But I'm not saying, like, yeah, they paid a huge salary to this guy. Yeah. You're like, you need to do better than this. Oh, my God, Ben Schwartz. <laughs> How'd they ever get Ben Schwartz? <laughs> but again, to give compliments, I haven't given many. I feel like I like this Sonic. He's as funny and charming as people. Pikachu, maybe even a little bit more. And I can go with a conflict in which I feel lonely. Like once that's finally established, like that's the real problem. I feel like this is a adequate children's movie character. And when he creates the lightning and we get the Pentagon, and I thought they'd be a bigger player in this. We have the whole Pentagon meet to discuss how are we going to investigate this possible domestic terrorism in Montana. Yeah, you know who thought it was going to be a bigger deal is Neil McDonough. Neil McDonough, who's that? He's the actor that started as the buff badass in Minority Report and the Cannibal Western Ravenous and thought he was going to have a leading man career and has since done humiliating cameos in I Know Who Killed Me and he's in Captain America's Brigade in the background as Dum Dum whoever. Oh, Dum Dum Dugan, yeah. 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 Now he is the army guy in charge of everything here being dismissed as being completely worthless by Jim Carrey. Okay, I think what did this is he was the father and I know who killed me that right there a career killer i know, I who, know killed who killed your career <laughs> yes. i think you can survive that because so few see it maybe not Lindsay lohan but other minor people in that probably aren't as tarnished by it but it was funny to see an actor i knew come in for one scene yeah you think he's going to be constantly fighting with this robotnik about control and no it's just a bit so that jim carrey can come in and announce how smart he is and do a really weird charlotte's web joke i mean it's, <laughs> what is jim carrey doing and why has it been so long since we've seen him last i remember he was in kick-ass too and pissed everybody off by going out and being like i don't support this movie and it's gun violence i don't know what the movie was but paul giamatti was doing some kind of press and they were asking him about, you know, what was it like to work with who and who? He's like, like, oh, I like working with everyone. And then he stopped and said, but not Jim Carrey. That guy's an asshole. You never <laughs> want to work with him. 
I don't know what happens, but that does seem to be a sentiment I've heard more than once in Hollywood and would explain why it has been largely a decade for an actor who used to be big time, bring him in at the box office. You wouldn't want to not use this guy because he definitely draws audiences, but he has been, yeah, at the Fortress of Solitude for the last decade. He hasn't done a single movie in four years before this. Wow. Nah, he's been painting and going a little bit crazy. He had a big, like, homeless guy beard for a while. Mm -hmm. He had had a little bit of a coming to Jesus moment there for the last couple years. That breaks my heart because he's a talented man. And, all right, he's not the only difficult person to work for. Like, what happened to go so wrong? And why is this your salvation? The last big movie I think he had where he was the star. I mean, I mentioned Kick-Ass. There was that Dumb and Dumber 2, which... Was he in that? Yeah. Oh, I was thinking the one with the teenagers. But yeah, there was a third Dumb and Dumber, wasn't there? Yeah, that kind of ignored Mm -hmm. when Harold met Lloyd. Oh, wow. So he's gone back to some wells. Has there been an Ace Ventura 3? There was, but it was a kid. (laughs) Oh, Here's some movies I saw, but I forgot I saw, that I'm like, oh my god, Mr. Popper's Penguins? <laughs> yes. The Smurfs. So he's already done embarrassing children's film. Mm-hmm. Remember when he was a Christmas Carol as Scrooge? Oh my god, yeah, Robert Zemeckis still doing that mocap crap. Uh-huh. Mm. The last movie I liked him in, really, was Yes Man back in 2008. That's 12 years ago. You like that? That seems like something I wouldn't like a lot. It's just almost a remake of Liar Liar, but... (laughs) Yeah, not almost. (laughs) Pretty much. Note for note. And fun with Dick and Jane. I think the last time he's been taken seriously, Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind 16 years ago. There you go. A movie I really do like, and he's really good in it. And he's done some other dramatic work. Man on the Moon, Truman Show. Like I said, he had done his silly stuff, and then he had proven himself as a dramatic actor. And yeah, he had some bombs on his resume, but no worse than a lot of people. And why it dried up, I have to believe it was a choice or something happened to him personally that made him walk away from Hollywood or Hollywood walking away from him. I think it is looking at his resume where, you know, he was this comedian who was on Living Color and worked his way up and did some great funny movies and then did a great transition into some good dramatic roles and then just kind of disappeared to see him come back and give like this hollow performance (laughs) of things he's already done before. I know. Just makes it all that much more sad to me. Oh, wow. I really like him in this film. I feel like he's channeling the Riddler from Batman Forever, only with, as it's called, a Civil War mustache. I gotta think this has to be ad-lib. The Charlotte's Web bit and things. I can't imagine somebody writing this on paper, but I like how random he is. He is as manic as Sonic, so I feel like they're polar opposites, but they're both high energy. Dark mirrors of each other. Here's the positive side of what I have to say. He absolutely is committed to doing this. He is physically as good with his body, with what he's doing as he was in this very first movies. I feel like he is not phoning this in whatsoever. He wants this to demonstrate a showcase for the talent he had and still possesses. But... To see him reduced to being the foil for a speeding blue hedgehog <laughs> 20 years, 30 years past his prime is, yeah, just signaling the idea that this is some kind of sad 90s reunion. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Is When I was looking at Carrie's resume before this, his biggest stuff, you mentioned Man on the Moon, you mentioned mm-hmm. Truman Show, 90s, 90s. I wanted Hammer to like be doing the soundtrack. <laughs> like I just felt like this is some stale ass shit going on here. But- 
I'm enjoying it. I'm a child of the 90s or a teenager in early 20s of the 90s. This is, I think, the best Jim Carrey performance I've seen in a long time as far as this comedic. It does feel like Riddler, like Ace Ventura. What's your name? Nobody cares. You know, all of that. <laughs> you see, you're laughing. I, I, I laughed. I, I agree with all of that. I guess what I'm saying is, is that it's just obvious that the bloom is off the rose yes. at this point. And maybe it's a little sad to see that he's been reduced to his beginnings for this role. But it's still enjoyable to watch and see him. Yeah, he still has his talent. He hasn't lost that. Whatever else he might have lost, he hasn't lost his talent. But it does feel small. Like, I'm now playing to a really, really unforgiving audience, frankly. A generation that doesn't even know who he is. To most of the people in the audience that aren't us, that are younger than us, this is going to be who this guy is. This is Dr. Robotnik. And who the hell is Jim Carrey? Yeah, and it's interesting to me. I mean, they had to go with Dr. Robotnik, but for 15 years, that character's just been called Eggman. So he probably refused on that one. He's like, I'm not going to be Eggman. Well, the thing is, it's supposed to be because he's shaped like an egg, and there's nothing shaped like an egg about Jim Carrey. No, true enough. And so, yeah, he comes waltzing in to dismiss the military people, presumably to take over the movie, and yet I never feel like what he's doing does take my interest in the same way that Sonic and his friend do. I feel like the movie that I would rather be watching is Sonic and him making friends. And Robotnik, I wish he had a better plot. If he catches Sonic, what's he going to do with him? Eventually he realizes the speed thing, but he's just chasing him because the government hired him, right? For much of this movie, there's no desire to capture Sonic for any other reason than just to prove he's smart. And they keep tripping over their own logic, too. He finds that quill, and the screen shows us that this quill has unlimited power. Then it's like, okay, great, you have unlimited power. Why continue to chase this thing down? Well, the way they sell it is he's there, he doesn't know he's after a hedgehog, he's there to investigate domestic terrorism and a weird technological phenomenon that took out power to the Pacific Northwest. He has great scanners and he's able to analyze the footprint and realize this is not a creature from Earth. So now he realizes he's after an alien. He's just now investigating, is there domestic terrorism? Is there intergalactic terrorism? Truthfully, you could see him at this point of the movie as a patriot. An asshole, but a patriot. Yeah, but he doesn't have the quill. Tom is the one that found the blue quill. He finds footprints, and the footprints lead him to Tom's house. His drones are scanning the attic, and he's trying to get in there. That's where he'll eventually see the quill, and he will see Sonic as well. Sonic has struck a deal with Tom. Well, he was hiding in Tom's shed. Yes. First time the kids laugh, by the way, is, uh, meow. Like, that was the first (laughs) joke to land. I liked that one too. I didn't laugh. I laughed out loud once. When you're in a room alone and you're watching something, most people that I know don't just sit there and laugh, laugh, laugh. You find things amusing, but it takes a group to create laughter. Yeah, I'm I'm a laughing on the inside kind of guy. I can really enjoy a comedy and make very little noise. Yeah, but I laughed out loud. I had uncontrollable laughter once, but I found this funny. But Tom shoots him with a trank dart because his wife's a vet. So, you know, you keep those around the house. And Sonic sees on Tom's shirt, San Francisco, because he's getting ready for the San Francisco Police Department, which opens a portal because he drops a ring Mm. to San Francisco. I think Sonic's falling through the portal and going to San Francisco, and that's the movie. No, his rings are going to San Francisco and landing on top of the Transamerica building. 
Because that's the most recognizable building in the San Francisco skyline. It's the triangle. It could have landed on the Golden Gate Bridge and actually looked kind of like the video game, you know, with the arches and the dips and all that stuff. Yeah, I mean, that would have been the most recognizable thing about San Francisco. But whatever, this is really bad. And then to add to all of this... He knows exactly where it is. When he wakes up, he's like, oh, I know where that is. He can be there in seconds. He doesn't know where it is. Tom tells him, go to San Francisco. He runs all the way to the coast and comes back. He's like, I don't know where San Francisco is. I'm not buying this. Right? I'm not buying any of that. I've heard a lot of different things. He knew that he had opened the portal to San Francisco because the skyline inside the ring was the same as what was on the shirt. And he saw where the bag landed so he could go there. He ends up contriving, Tom, you have to take me, mostly because he just wants a friend. He knows he could have those rings, but he doesn't really want to go to a mushroom world. He doesn't really want to go beyond this. This has actually allowed him to open communication with this guy that he's stalked and peered through his back window and now has a chance to actually get to know and converse with. And I think the blue cartoon and James Marsden have good chemistry, you know? Again, another internal chuckle. Tom's like, I'm not in the mood to get probed. And Sonic, you think you're worried? I'm not even wearing pants. I'm going with this humor. I'm going with their rapport. Agreed. I have no problem with this Sonic at all. When the drones are coming through the attic and he was afraid that they're going to scan him and realize he ate an embarrassing lunch. I mean, all of that stuff is as good as Detective Pikachu. I don't think that Ryan Reynolds would have made this any better. Yeah, Jim Carrey's doing his own shtick with, uh, I was spitting out formulas since you were spitting out formula. I mean, it works well enough. I liked the... Bet you go way back to the days of tipping cows and imagining you in a band. Maybe one day you'll achieve your goal of getting a Costco card. I wondered if that was a product placement. Yeah. Is that an insult or is that a plug? We don't quite know in a movie like this. I mean, he already said the only app he downloaded on his phone was... The Olive Garden app, because when you're there, you're family. <laughs> Did we have another movie recently use Olive Garden as a punchline? Birds of Prey. Oh. <laughs> it was that long ago. I was like, the movie last week. Of course. All right. The plugs in here, I don't know who watched the later series of the TV show Chuck. They were basically kept on the air by Subway. It was almost like those 60s shows on black and white television where you'd have the Motorola dancers and the big Motorola sign. But Chuck played it up. They were like, they'd break the fourth wall and be like, I'm enjoying my foot long. And that's almost <laughs> what I feel like they're doing here. I'm almost disappointed that they missed the one natural product placement opportunity was with donuts. They couldn't get Dunkin' Donuts or Krispy Kreme with all the donut mentions. I I was wondering about Sonic the drive-thru hamburger joint. (laughs) Are they connected to this? Did they miss out on this obvious connection? Wow. (laughs) He could have definitely been slurping on one of those like big gulp things they have. (laughs) Cherry limeade. There you go. I feel bad for Carrie because he's pretty much on his own for much of the movie. That's the problem is I thought Neil Madonna would be the army guy that was always his foil. That guy literally was told, you're basic, get out of here. And he did. He went off to make I Know Who Killed Me too. And then they have this Agent Stone that isn't comedic or giving us anything. I don't even know why you have him. They should have had just a robot. They should have had this guy only work with robots because that's the point. He thinks everyone else is stupid and robots do what they're told and he's the smartest guy on earth. So he never talks with any human beings. He only converses with his robot creations. That would be the right foil for him. You invent an android that, you know, is bumbling, a C-3PO or something. 
Yeah, the fact that this guy's just kind of a sycophant who sucks up to him and takes all of the insults that he can give. It allows Jim Carrey to be Jim Carrey and have somebody to talk to and somebody to insult and be the old him. I'm enjoying watching him, but I am thinking Riddler all the time. I'm thinking Riddler. I wish you wouldn't bring that one up because that's actually probably my least favorite Jim Carrey role I've ever seen. I feel like he was not good in that. If you recall, I enjoyed it. I I didn't remember where you landed, but it's becoming obvious that you disagreed with me. There's also some clever lines here that I think are aimed at the adults. I like it when Tom's talking to Sonic. Hopefully I'm going to wake up in a hospital bed and the doctor will tell me my colonoscopy was a big success. Even stranger, Arnie, my brother was having a colonoscopy (laughs) while I was watching this movie. It actually made me want to look at my phone and be like, I hope he's okay. <laughs> Strange coincidence. I thought you were going to hope to switch places. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah, who's got it worse? <laughs> they decide to drive to San Francisco. Tom's going reluctantly, but he's been labeled a domestic terrorist, so might as well run. And they stop. He has to use a pay phone. It's mostly for drug dealers and fugitives from the law. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm not knocking the comedy. I've knocked a lot of things about this movie and it's set up and... You guys have talked about character design, and but the comedy is totally acceptable, and this movie is better than I thought it would be in terms of that enjoyment. As a comedy, it is functional. As a story, I understand it has some problems, but once the road trip begins, I do feel like it solidifies and becomes a better video game road trip movie than The Wizard. <laughs> well, jeez. <laughs> I mean, my hope was for Pee-wee's Big Adventure. That's my high bar. That was a movie that I felt like was goofy, played to children, and yet it also had, if you were willing to be a juvenile again, it also had smarter humor and just creative, unexpected things happen along the way. Here, I just wanted more stops. Like, they go to the world's largest rubber band ball, and they go to a biker pit, and that's all that they do. And I feel like I could have enjoyed four or five more other places. Yeah, that's kind of what I was saying earlier, where it just feels like San Francisco is a suburb of some small town in Montana, because it's like, if you're going to be on the road, you need to establish some different looks and some different terrains. I mean, I feel like we're always just on this two-lane highway with ditches and some trees off to the side. It doesn't feel like they've gone very far. When they get to the biker bar, it hits me. Do you think the filmmakers realize how many parallels or echoes this movie has of Howard the Duck? I I didn't realize that. <laughs> but you're thinking about Howard for obvious reasons. An alien from a strange world comes, gets help from a reluctant local, and then is chased by an evil scientist who's going to end up with a huge thing. And they're going to go to a bar where he's going to have to fight with the patrons. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But no hedgehog tits. So you lose, son. <laughs> you lose. And what it's missing that Howard did was the evil guy is trying to bring back some power from that other dimension. So there's a clock on the wall, a ticking time bomb that we need to get to rather than, hey, there's just some rings we need to go retrieve. I really needed Robotnik to have something bigger in his plans happening. And yeah, the fact that we know that this hedgehog doesn't even really need this guy and has just learned what a bucket list is, like kicking a bucket is actually on his bucket list, but it's more about the, it's all about the bromance and they don't, aren't really needing to do anything. is a little unsatisfying. What gets me is I feel like the bromance is there. It's like they meet cute. He shoots him with a trank dart and then they're just, 
friends. I feel like they're friends already, but on his list is make a real friend. You know, I thought I was going to Wizard of Oz at the end. Like, oh, I had a real friend all along. Yeah, that's what I mean about more stops along the way. They have to do everything at the Piston Pit. While... Tom is off on the payphone, Sonic looking over longingly at all of the pimped out motorbikes and trucks and feeling like, oh, there's so many things that I want to do there that I won't be able to do in the mushroom world. They go through, you know, a funny montage, but again, wish it had been the road trip of like throwing darts and hitting Corona beer cans. And, you know, (laughs) eventually the mechanical bull is going to throw him into some mean biker dudes. We don't serve your kind around here. What kind is that? Hipsters. Yeah, that's actually a pretty good joke. That <laughs> actually is actually correct. I will say I do enjoy this scene. I mean, this is the marquee moment of the movie, right? Even though it is just a trademark ripoff of Quicksilver time. Like Stuart brought up, kids might not have seen that. And fine, let's bring this. It makes sense for the character. And they did a good job with making it fun. Yeah, they even work in a line from Speed. Remember, his favorite line was pop quiz, hot shot. He gets to use that here. It feels like a moment where a child finally gets to have his fantasy come true. I'm going to be off to some mushroom world that's essentially the equivalent of an unfun, lonely land. But here is my moment to finally do everything that I've ever wanted to do. But I like it when he's Quicksilver. It's not time in a bottle, but they're doing my feet go boom, boom, boom. He's arranging it so the bikers punch each other. He's wrapping them in toilet paper. He's making darts fly into them. He's moving Tom to safety. It's straight out of Days of Future Past. But I love Quicksilver in both those movies. He's the only good thing in X-Men Apocalypse. And so I'm basically looking at at this like an animated Quicksilver movie, and I'm enjoying it. Yeah, it's fine if they want to rip that off. I'm not looking to Sonic the Hedgehog to innovate as a movie. Like, it can be a dumb kid's version of movies that I've enjoyed already and will win. And this scene is very winning. Chili Dogs. That was a joke used a lot in the Adventures of Sonic the Hedgehog cartoon. I watched about four episodes of that. I don't remember them from games. Yeah, the Chili Dogs was in some of the cartoons. It was in Sonic Boom, and I guess it's also in some of the later games. But apparently, that's what makes him fart here. They have to resort to the lowest common denominator kids joke. They're back at the motel, and yeah, you might want to have to clean your fur because you just farted. Kids weren't laughing. I want to say that joke actually didn't land, surprisingly. I almost wonder if it was, you know, check your fur on that one. I wonder if that was too subtle a way to say you pooped yourself. There you go. Yeah, that's right. The kids (laughs) didn't know what they were talking about. And I felt that way a lot. By having this older actor, and will they even understand his problem about wanting to go to San Francisco? And I mean, I feel like it's very unrelatable to small children what's going on. They're going to laugh at the physical humor, and some of the jokes are funny, but I feel like a lot of it is not going to mirror things that they experience. And I think I'm good with that. You know what I'm thinking about is the Muppet movie and how there are stuff there for the adults, there's stuff there for the kids. As a child, I didn't understand the crisis and the ennui of Kermit in the swamp, but I certainly loved Sully chasing after them from the used car lot and found that stuff funny. I didn't know who half the guest stars were. To me, that makes this a good family film, not a kid's film, which we've reviewed plenty of in this arcade thing, including those angry birds, and I can't take them, but a family film where all ages can enjoy. 
I agree with that sentiment, but I feel like you can do a family film and do almost everything they're doing here, but still be able to string the plot together in a way that is satisfying. Most of this movie is just moving from scene to scene, which, hey, fine, you know, if it's connecting with you, then you're probably going along for the ride. Let's talk technical problems. We haven't focused on them so much. But when we get to this next journey on the road trip, it's really the last stop before they get to San Francisco. It's just a highway as they cross the California border and Robotnik in his super bus catches up with drones. I swear to God, when they flip that bus... All of a sudden, it was just on its side. Like, I didn't even see it flip. It's done so badly, it barely registers to the eye. I had the same problem. I know this is the first time Sonic realizes, and it's almost instinctive, that he can turn into that ball and roll and hit stuff. You know, he knows he's fast, but he didn't realize that, you know, in the game, if you're a ball, you really can't be hurt except by spikes. You can kill anything in ball form without jumping on its head. Here, he turns into that ball, he attacks this, and yeah, there's an explosion, and I'm like, did he crash it? Did he flip it? It's not until later that you see in the background that that big black bus got flipped. I'm like, oh, that would have been kind of cool to see. Yeah. These are just things you come to expect in a movie like this that they're not doing as well. This is where you want that extra 50, 60 million to fine tune and really give that level of action. And you know where I really want this movie to have come out two years ago when they were filming it is when Sonic flosses. <laughs> yes. yes. <laughs> that felt a little dated. Yeah, he's going to mention The Rock for president, which, you know what? Not a bad idea, Democrats. <laughs> just going to say. Probably has the best chance. Uh, he would have to cut down his production only seven movies a year then if he was president <laughs> but here was the moment i laughed out loud just completely even though the bus is flipped it's a moment out of the dark night when the batmobile crashes and then batman comes out in the bat pod here robotnik has like this crab vehicle that comes out and i don't know why but when sonic says i think that tank just had a baby I couldn't control my laughter. Yeah, it was, I mean, it was cute. Yeah, I, I agree. Like Again, Sonic's jokes are exactly where they need to be. And I also like the reversal here. Sonic has to learn to drive. You know, he doesn't need to. He's faster than any car, but it's because James Marsden needs something to do. And they make some Fast and Furious family jokes. <laughs> That's great. The fact that that was the smartest joke. I mean, saying I feel like I'm in the Fast and the Furious, obvious. Then mocking Vin Diesel, it's all about family, Tom. That <laughs> Good. The cinematographer shoots all of those Fast and Furious movies, so he probably even suggested as they were setting up this car chase to make that joke. But yeah, it's nice to see that, yes, they're collaborating. This is where they should be becoming friends. Again, that you can work on that development. But sadly, it's all kind of over here. Like It ends with that tank baby. It gets smaller and smaller until it turns into a little sticky bomb, and Sonic gets hurt. And of course, where are you going to take a hurt hedgehog but to my wife the veterinarian and during this to mention sonic and tom are having a fight sonic found out tom wants to move to san francisco and sonic feels abandoned although he's leaving for the mushroom world again it's just there's so much that could be cleaned up to make this tension legit and not confusing and yes the wife and the vet I'm also really enjoying the sister-in-law character in this movie. She is just so abrasive. That was the one laugh I had was that, you know, we've already established she doesn't like him. They tie her up in exercise bands and her daughter is running circles around in the going. living room. And she's like, could you at least put the Fitbit on? Cause I need to get my steps in. <laughs> 
there's good stuff here. I'm going to say that. And this movie is operating higher than my expectations. I am delighted to say this movie is nowhere near as bad as I thought it was going to be. Yeah. Can we all say that? I think we all dreaded going in. Can we all say this movie isn't dreadful? No, it's it's not the worst thing we've seen in the arcade. It's no Uva Bowl. Right, yes. Well, I mean, well, you know, let's just be clear. Some of the video game movies we've covered are the worst movies I've ever watched in my life. So, yes, it's definitely not that. And I didn't think it was going to be that. But I really did think that this was going to be a patronizing, pathetic affair. And sometimes it is. Sometimes I feel very sad in my heart, like Jim Carrey, the 90s are dead. But sometimes the jokes land and I'm feeling like, yeah, this is working pretty well. Yeah, I like that the vet has a reason to be a vet. She gets to examine the hedgehog here. And I mean, it's very convenient, right? Although all that she does is get some smelling salts. I don't see any like surgery going on here. (laughs) He wakes up and they've decided they're going to take him in a suitcase to the Transamerica building. Here's one thing I definitely thought they were telegraphing was going to happen that does not. Didn't you think that Tom was going to have to go to the police force that he was applying to? Or at least, like, Sonic would bring him into contact with the police in San Francisco in a way that would jeopardize his job or have something to do with that job he was coming to? Yes, I thought the police would be chasing him because he's been on the news as a domestic terrorist. Yeah, this is my biggest problem with this movie is that they have all these things that they've established in this movie and pinned to a board and they just forgot to like take the yarn and connect them. They have a lot of ideas and some of them work is the frustrating thing but there's so many things that aren't working that they didn't sweep out of the way and so it's just having to run between all of those ideas and find the movie within. We also in parallel see Jim Carrey who has that quill is like Seriously, a tech horny Riddler as he's dancing to some 90s, it sounds like, music. I had to look this up. The Poppy Family, they're new. Where Evil Grows is the song. I don't know it. It's a strange choice. It's altogether strange. But at least now he has a point for wanting Sonic. He knows that this quill contains the kind of energy that would allow his robot force to move next level. And so now there's really a reason for him to be chasing. This is the scene where I did get my, you guys talked about your biggest laughs. This was my biggest laugh, not the dancing, but when he gets interrupted by his assistant and he's like, I thought you might want a cappuccino. And he's like, of course I do. I love the way you make them. (laughs) (laughs) Why was he running from the hologram of the T-Rex? Is that from the game or? You know, there's been so much Sonic. There've been T-Rexes and comics and even in games over the years. I don't know if it's a direct reference to that. It kind of felt to me like a Jurassic Park joke. It was convincing. It looked like his head got bit off. I'll give Jim Carrey that. He's still got his physicality. He can still move his body in ways that he'd be a great mime. If you, assuming you want a mime, he's the best. <laughs> he's as good as he was when he was young and once bitten. maybe we'll cover that someday but let's cover the end of this movie we've actually reached the climax it's we've zipped right there and i think we've zipped over some important character moments but here we are at one big moment sonic gets his iconic red shoes he was wearing some beat up loafers but when you think of sonic's design the red shoes are a big part of it they were given to him by Tom's niece. I don't know where she got them. Yeah, she just has this odd-shaped pair of shoes laying around. <laughs> yeah, I think they're her. I think we're meant to believe that, I mean, he is about her size. And again, if it were her adventure, if she could come along, if she had any more interaction with this hedgehog, we might see a relationship developing. And uh, I don't know. It was cool to see him get new shoes. I'll give you that. And here we are at the top of the building. The rings are there. It's not really hard for him to move on, except he doesn't want to. And so it's the heart tugger of, I don't want to leave you, but I don't want to put you in jeopardy. And here comes Robotnik. 
Is San Francisco known for its clam chowder? I knew New England's known for its chowder. But when Jim Carrey shows up, welcome to San Francisco. Did you enjoy the clam chowder? I believe one is white and one is red, right? Like that's the difference. One's tomato based and one's cream. I've only had the cream. Wow. There you go. Go to San Francisco, I think. Put it on your bucket list. I've been to San Francisco, did not eat the chowder. Robotnik is now in his classic red outfit. Again, he looks nothing like the video game because he's not 400 pounds and bald, but... (laughs) I will say this, it gives him a somewhat visually interesting way to have this climax. They're high up in the sky, they're on this small platform, they can go straight down and run and kind of give us that perspective from the bonus levels of Sonic. That's all cool stuff, I guess, but it just feels a little generic for some reason, even though we are in iconic downtown San Francisco. The climax doesn't race my pulse in any way. The only thing that we might care about is if we thought Robotnik would actually hurt the Wachowskis. Like, he makes some kind of off-base comment about, oh, there's your lover. I was like, this is getting a little weird. (laughs) But uh, yes, basically, Sonic kicks them out of the way, opens a portal. Was that the last ring? I feel like you wanted to have a sense that he's running out of options. Like there's only so many rings in the bag that you would want to emphasize every time he opens a portal and goes to Egypt or Paris or the Great Wall, he's running out of rings to be able to leave Earth and go to a safe place. I do not have that feeling. I felt like that was a magic bag that had an endless supply of rings, just like the Olive Garden has an endless supply of pasta bowls. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, and I feel like that was a directorial mistake. I feel like you want to have tension here and i feel like this movie has very little it was fine but the best part of the climax to me was seeing sonic go to paris and go to egypt and go to those places you don't spend any time there they have stock footage as a backdrop but it was clever that they didn't just stay in san francisco and they all end up back in green hills that's the thing he opened the portal back to green hills for tom and his wife they still fall I don't know how that fall doesn't kill them. It's not like the portal decreased their velocity as they hit the ground. No, they hit hay. They got thrown into a big pile of hay. There you go. Oh, so if I jump off the top of the tallest building in San Francisco, I hope there's a (laughs) four-foot pile of hay. I'll be there with the truck full of hay to save you. (laughs) It's a cartoon trope. This is the part of the movie where you're going to get nitpicky on physics. I'm fine with that. If they want to be a live-action Tex Avery cartoon, be that. I just don't feel like there's a lot of that. I feel like they're racing through. It feels like uh, obligations. Yeah, we got to go hit some visual places. It makes you wonder, why does Sonic want to live in Montana when he can be anywhere on Earth? Like, that just, in and of itself, is a little bizarre. Again, I'd have to believe that he really loved the Wachowskis, and that hasn't been established. And why wouldn't he just move to San Francisco with the Wachowskis and live there? I'm projecting. He comes from a rural environment full of greenery, and so he likes the country. He doesn't like city life. The turtles, yeah. Again, if you think about that video game, he was rescuing small animals. That was the plot of the first Sonic game, and presumably all of the game. And he dies. I mean, Robotnik kills him here. Does he? What? How does he come back? I'm confused about all of this. He just powers up again. I just I just figured he was knocked unconscious. Yeah, but I like that, you know, even Robotnik is acting a little bit 
sad about the death, but like, I don't mean to be indelicate, but someone should get some ice and keep the body fresh. What brings him back is Tom going, his name was Sonic and he was my friend. Having a real friend is what brings Sonic back to life. It's oh. like Tinkerbell. Okay, so they try to have an E.T. moment. It comes off more like a Pokemon cartoon moment, though, where everybody cries <laughs> and the tears brings him back. Yeah, there we go. <laughs> the whole town should be crying, not pulling out chainsaws like Crazy Carl. And again, the problem is we don't see a town rally to defend Sonic because only two people even know about him. It's that dopey deputy and the town crazy conspiracy theorist. They should have rallied to save Tom because Tom was their sheriff and he saved them. You know, kind of like the end of Spider-Man. You mess with one of us, you mess with all of us. Have the town show Tom he's appreciated and they'll sacrifice for Tom and Tom would want to stay for the people. Yeah, I don't understand his decision to stay. That that felt like a lot of dialogue that didn't have any connection to what I had just seen. Let's just think about for a second real quick what these people of this town are witnessing. Yes. All they know is like the crazy guy, he is now being confirmed that it exists. But everybody else, this is the first time they're seeing this alien blue thing and some alien ship trying to protect them from this weird alien blue thing. Like, how how are they all of a sudden just on board? Like, they've been watching this movie. It's like, oh, Sonic's a good guy. It's like, they don't know any of this. But we don't even know them. I don't think we even cut to a reaction shot. Yes, we're not to ask that question because they haven't shown us anybody processing it. I wish there was also something about Sonic being afraid or Sonic running away from problems. I know the owl pushed him to Earth. Enough with that owl that owl get that owl out of there but he's like i'm not running away anymore had he been i know he was running to get the rings but they needed to set his character in motion in an entirely different way and give him a reason to stop here that meaningfully brought that to a close they didn't do it the owls and tribal people and arrows there's so many ways to make this hang together better than it does but i do like the fact that jim carrey gets knocked into the mushroom world that was at least a good payoff for that's the last place i can go i don't want to go there well then have the bad guy live there and you can stay here with your new friend and it's tied up really quickly i mean they start playing in the score the theme from sonic like the very first level the music i always associate with Sonic. They're playing that as the score and the government's coming to give Tom as a gift for keeping quiet about the alien, the $50 Olive Garden gift card. You know what? I'm seriously going to go to Olive Garden this week and ask like, if they have any Sonic <laughs> merchandise at all. Like, can I get anything Sonic? Like even like, like turn the menu over, the kid's menu, and like, can I color him or something? They messed up because this feels like an ad. This doesn't feel like a joke. This feels like an ad. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Just like Zillow. and But Olive Garden is so all over this thing. I got to feel like they were redesigning Sonic and like, we need somebody to pay for this. <laughs> Who will give us the money? Olive Garden. But. <laughs> This is Sonic's home. He's going to live in the attic, which is a strange choice because they're subterranean. Uh, he might have some nocturnal problems. But otherwise, this is nice that he now has a place inside the house for him that looks like his underground lair and allows him to be in the life of Maddie and Tom and Ozzy the dog. They include sounds of the dog licking him because I think it always feels, because we didn't see the dog, it always feels like they replaced the dog. <laughs> With the hedgehog. We can't have both. I'm a veterinarian, but I'm not going to have my house full of animals. At the end, the credits start, but we do get a scene of Jim Carrey 
And that is a very convincing bald cap if he didn't legitimately shave his head. That looked like a really shaved head. And he finally has the mustache. The mustache that's like a foot long, end to end. You know, like he finally does look like Robotnik from the video game. And Home by Christmas? I doubt that. But yeah, maybe he's coming back for a sequel. I imagine if they make it, they will include him. I have praised the jokes in this movie. And I've been known to make a pun or two on the show. But I groaned at the rock connoisseurs. <laughs> well, again, because Agent Stone is not a character we even remembered, but he is now talking to mushrooms and rocks as if they were the people that he was berating back on Earth. You're right. I did not remember Agent Stone. I thought he was just calling the stone an agent. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> I will say, you know, I mean, even though it was just kind of a quick shot of this mushroom world, they did a pretty good job of designing like this nightmare landscape. I mean, the more you saw of it, it was like, oh, that's not land that it's growing on. It's mushrooms growing on mushrooms growing on mushrooms. Like, how far up are you on the top layer of these mushrooms? And that was kind of neat, you know, like it could have been more sparse and dense than that. But like they gave a good visual representation of what would be a terrible place to end up. Yeah, and it makes you feel like when they make the sequel, if they make the sequel, they'll feel comfortable going to video game levels. We'll actually go to Sonic's world next time. We won't be in Montana the whole time, and apparently Tails will be taking us there. He's a fox that has two tails and can use them to fly. God only knows what he's here for, but if the readings are accurate, he's here. I found him. I just hope I'm not too late. Yeah, I know they're going to go back to that goddamn owl, but whatever. I don't care about the owl. What I really wanted, though, when we heard this song, I was like, please be little Nas X. Please, like, just, that would be, make my day if they, like, went with the guy with the old-time road song. It's Ty Dolla Sign and Wiz Khalifa and Lil Yachty, actually, that are singing the speeded up song over the end credit video game sequence. I like that they did the movie scenes in old Sega Genesis 16-bit graphic style. I mean, it's, it's not the game you're watching. Somebody went through the trouble of animating this movie in that style. I always like pixel graphic stuff like that that was a cool way to end it especially over the credits and they did the whole movie i mean if you can find that part on youtube and you don't want to see this movie just go ahead and try to find the credits because it it covers all the bases yeah i felt that way about the cartoons i was like i'd rather watch a walkthrough of the game than this show and i'm wondering if that's not also true of this movie let's find out yep justin stewart do you recommend the movie sonic the hedgehog Justin. Ah, this one's weird because, I mean, I think I've been pretty vocal about being scared about this movie. Like when it was pushed back, I was like, yes, maybe it's got so many problems that they're just not going to make it. And they're going to pull it. And then it was like, oh, nope, they're putting it out in February. And then all through winter, I've been like, oh, well, it's going to warm up pretty soon. And oh, geez. And then I got to go see Sonic. So it's kind of it's kind of been looming over my life in the back of my head for a little bit here. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. This is the first time you've come back to the show. This, this is your, your maiden 2020 show. <laughs> yeah. And you know, Sonic is the one heralding me in, I guess. But, you know, I went in expecting to be disappointed and I walked out being disappointed, but for <laughs> different reasons. <laughs> yeah, it's funny how that works, isn't it? <laughs> you know, so I mean, I always try to go in with an open mind. Like, I'm not trying to prejudge any movie, anything like that. So I went in open minded and I, I went along for the ride. And I will say it was breezy. It wasn't a slog to get through. And there were parts that I truly enjoyed. And the animation was fine. The characters were mostly fine. It was just all these things that they put on screen and then didn't do anything with. They presented ideas 
that make everybody sitting there going like, oh, it would have been better if they did this or they would have been done this. And it just, I said it earlier, it just feels like they had a bunch of ideas for scenes and they strung them together with a few puns here and there. And I just, the disappointment I feel with it is, is that even with what they shot, they could have put out a better final product. And it's fine. I, I think it's something like you guys said, families can enjoy because Sonic is this, I mean, like it or not, he's a brand. I mean, he's been around for going on almost 30 years now. And for whatever reason, he just won't go away. I played one or two games and then there was cartoons and more games and all that stuff. Every kid I know knows who Sonic is. And I don't know why. I don't know if they're watching the cartoons. I don't know if they're playing the games, but he is a brand. So fine, bring this movie out, make it a family thing. I just wish that they would have set the bar a little higher with what they put out there. So I'm going to give this a slight not recommend just because there's so much worse out there. But I feel like it could have done better with what they had. So it's it's a slight red arrow for me. And I don't hate it. Don't love it. Stuart. Yeah, I definitely emerged from the theater with a mixture of, wow, that was a lot better than I thought it would be. And yeah, that was pretty much worthless. I mean, like it's somewhere in between there is my feeling about this movie. It's like, I don't know by being better that it cleared any bar of being meaningful. Let's compare it to what obvious twin brother, Nintendo, Detective Pikachu. A movie that also exceeded expectations, had a lot of problems, but had some beautiful visualization, had an actor, a human actor, uh, leading it that I thought worked, played really well off of Pikachu, and more or less wound up being one of the best of the video game series, if not one of the best films of the year. Does this compare? No. I think it loses that fight for sure. I do not think this is as good as Detective Pikachu, quantifying whether it was a recommend or not. I recently thought about like how this is done. I actually had to take the GRE recently. I know Arnie, you've taken that, mm-hmm. but like I was thinking about how here's how this work, this computer program works. It like it starts out giving you really hard problems. It's like find the radius of the circle in the cylinder, and here's half of the volume that you got to do this, and see if it's more or greater than three. And you're like, uh, blah blah. And when you get that wrong, eventually it's going to ask you x plus one equals three. What is x? <laughs> you know, I'm like, and I passed that part. Like, whenever it asked me those questions, I passed, and I got a score that was good at that level. At that level, this movie is a recommend. If you can accept it as X plus 3, yeah, it's good enough for that. It does what it needs to. It's got funny jokes. Sonic is charming. He plays well off of the human characters. Jim Carrey's doing Jim Carrey still pretty well. Success. But... My bar for crafting narrative is higher. And yeah, I'm a college that wants more than X plus three students. So I think I'm going to be the cranky one and saying not quite good enough, but I'm hopeful that the sequel can fix what's wrong here. I feel like there was a lot of origin difficulty in delivering Sonic the movie. But now that he's here, they know how to play what's best about him and can make a sequel that will be better. So my gift to this is that I think the sequel is a recommend, but this is a mild not recommend. And I agree. I mean, I can't argue that this movie is narratively messy. There's just so much that happens in this movie for reasons, including this hedgehog that can run at supersonic speeds, runs to the Pacific and back, and it's like, I can't find San Francisco. And it's never stated outright that it was just trying to convince Tom to go on a road trip. It's simply Sonic can't read a map is how I took it in this movie. What's with the owls and the other aliens? Why is Sonic super powered? All of this is messy. But... I can't not recommend this film because I smiled for most of it. Jim Carrey, Sonic himself, 
and even James Marsden all had me enjoying their presence on screen. I can't remember enjoying a Jim Carrey movie this much after 2005. I expected to hate him. I've really come to dislike Jim Carrey in later performances because I felt like he felt like he was pandering, like he wanted to do more things like Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind, and he was stuck doing Mr. Popper's Penguins. Mm. And you'd be bad too. I understand (laughs) that sentiment. Here, I think he'd put aside whatever was going on and committed to this and gave the best Jim Carrey role I've seen in this century. And James Marsden, we all talked about how bland he was, but he does fine here. And like he always does. Are you going to see Hop now? No. <laughs> okay. And Sonic exceeded expectations. Is this a great movie? No. Is it dumb, fun? Yes. Emphasis on the fun. And really the best thing I could say about any video game movie I can say about this movie, it makes me want to go back and play the game some more because the movie itself reminded me what it was I loved about a Sonic game and, and I plan on breaking out my emulators later on. It's a slight recommend. I think we're all saying the same thing, honestly. And it's about how much your arms are folded going in. I want to just clarify. I was dragged into this movie. I did not want to go to see this movie. I did not want to see this movie with a crowd. (laughs) I went to the most solitary experience I could. The movie won me over. Okay. Yeah. All right. So more. I mean, obviously, I don't want more. But knowing that it's coming, I'm optimistic it will be better. It looks like it's opening bigger than Birds of Prey. And it had about a similar budget. Yeah, I could imagine it hitting the 150 million that Detective Pikachu made. I think that's considered a success. 150 domestic if it made like 200 and some international. Yeah, I think. I I imagine they'll find a reason to do more. I imagine Jim Carrey will have nothing better to do. (laughs) James Marsden, will he come along? Probably. Westworld will be canceled by that point. I don't see reasons why either of them wouldn't come back. Can I say I'm excited for whatever adventure Two Tails brings with him? Not especially. But if you keep the same writers and the same humor, I'll enjoy it good enough. I mean, I'm I'm not jonesing for it. I'm not dreading it the way I dreaded this movie. I'm not dreading it the way I'm dreading other video game movies that we're covering very, very soon. You thought Sonic was hard, man. Justin, <laughs> we got to do things I've never even heard of. King of Fighters? What? <laughs> I, I don't know what it is, but it is a fighting game for the Neo Geo that had a 2010 movie. We're covering that in a few weeks. And then three, count them three, Uva Bowl Dungeon Siege movies oh boy what did i do to deserve this <laughs> what did i do in a previous life to go through the hell of three uva bull films in a row and it's not like alone in the dark where he did the first one and then somebody else came along and shat on the second one these are all him mm-hmm. yeah jason statham gets out of it though he's in the first one i'm like wow you got him and he didn't hang out it, it turns into Dolph Lundgren turns into the star of Prison Break it, it's a shrinking cast there but also three Blood Rain movies we gotta cover and the last Uva Bowl movie we may ever cover Far Cry which I understand to be a very good game I've heard good things about the game I will be playing it before we get there in the meantime next week King Kong we're back to that with the Peter Jackson movie Yeah, probably the most famous one for modern audiences. The one that came out, what, 15 years ago. God. And this Friday, for listeners, we have nothing. For the first time in like 
12 months, we do not have a second show in a week. I got a tip for you. We have thousands and thousands of podcasts out there. Just go listen to one. Like, I'm sure there's one you missed. <laughs> we're coming up on a thousand. It's hard to believe, but we're coming up on a thousand movie review podcasts. But if you want to hear the reviews from our previous donation series, The Grudge... Zombieland, I Am Legend, and Rush Hour. Still got just a couple weeks left to do that before our next donation series and these go away and they're only available on Podbean individually. You can get them now by going to nowplayingpodcast.com forward slash donate and save some money. They go up in price when the donation drive ends. And then you'll have a lot of bonus shows to listen to. Or if you're not a patron, Become a patron. Our 36th exclusive review went up last Friday. Closer. It's just a great pairing with Sonic the Hedgehog. It totally If you love Sonic the Hedgehog, you're going to love this very depressing drama in which Julia Roberts doesn't like Jude Law, doesn't like Natalie Portman, doesn't like Clive Owen, but they keep hanging out with each other like the codependents they are. <laughs> and we have other reviews there, too, like The Wizard. <laughs> yes. Monster Trucks is kind of like Sonic the Hedgehog. So thank you for listening. Justin Stewart, thank you for joining me. Until next time, game over. Alright guys, let's get the let's get the Olive Garden before it's too late. So should we get out of here? Yeah, time to go. Thank you for listening to this episode of Now Playing Podcast. It's going! It's going! It's still here! We hope you've enjoyed the show. I love it! I love it! I love it! I love it! Come back to NowPlayingPodcast.com each week for another new movie review podcast. We do have fun, huh? Also at our site, you can find hundreds of other movie reviews, including Star Wars, A Nightmare on Elm Street, Independence Day, The Avengers Films, Back to the Future, Batman, Superman, The Fast and the Furious, and more. I feel just like Vin Diesel. It's all about family, Tom. Now Playing Podcast is a show without any sponsors or ads. We rely on support from listeners like you to keep Now Playing operating. How are you not dead? I have no idea. You can donate to the show and, as our thank you, receive bonus podcasts. Over 150 bonus movie reviews are available to choose from on the Now Playing Podbean page, including Alien, Night of the Living Dead, Jurassic Park, Ghostbusters, Indiana Jones, Lord of the Rings, Psycho, Troll, and more. What's up? You guys want to watch a movie? Find a full list of available bonus shows at nowplayingpodcast.com forward slash donate. Clearly, I'm not going to be able to do this on my own. You can also join the Now Playing Patron campaign through our Podbean site. Patrons of $10 or more get a new exclusive movie review every month, plus even more perks, including one where you can pick a movie for our hosts to review. Find the details on our website. Oh, is that all you got? No, but thank you for asking. You can help us out by leaving us a five-star review on Stitcher, Podbean, iTunes, or your other podcast store of choice. And please, five-star. You can follow Now Playing on Facebook and Twitter, where we post announcements of new episodes and where the hosts post movie mini-reviews. Links to our social media pages are available on our homepage. I just thought you might like a latte with steamed Austrian goat milk. Of course I want a latte. I love the way you make them! 
Now Playing Podcast is produced by Arnie Carvalho. Are you in charge here? Yes, I am. Nope! I'm wrong. I'm in charge. Associate produced by Jason Latham. I am living my best life on Earth. Now Playing is edited by Arnie. It gets a little lonely, but that's okay. Now Playing credits read by Brock. It talks. Almost constantly. The opinions expressed on Now Playing are those of the individual hosts and may not reflect the opinion of Venganza Media Incorporated. Confidence. A fool's substitute for intelligence. Venganza Media Incorporated is not affiliated with the motion pictures reviewed or otherwise referred to herein. All movie clips and music included in this podcast are the intellectual property of the respective copyright holders. They are included here for the purpose of review and no infringement is intended. You'll never catch me! Now Playing Podcast is an exclusive trademark of Vinganza Media Incorporated and may not be used without the expressed written permission of Vinganza Media Incorporated. All rights reserved. Give me a big fat break! Now Playing is a Vinganza Media production, copyright 2020. And no part of this show may be reproduced, repurposed, or redistributed without the written permission of Vinganza Media Incorporated. All rights reserved. The time for talking is over! It's time to push buttons. Like I think back to the Lion King when they got like um why can't I think of Matthew his name? Brad- James Earl Jones. No, the parrot. The parrot. The, the talking toucan. Are we talking about a new Lion King or old Lion King? Oh, Gilbert Godfrey. Gilbert Godfrey. Gil- Gilbert Godfrey. Sorry, I was brain fart. <laughs> Gilbert Godfrey has a character and a voice. And that's in uh that's not in Lion King, that's Aladdin. Yeah. Aladdin, okay, sorry. Yeah. Like- <laughs> We're all confused, man. <laughs> I'm just in this Disney haze. I was like, there's a parrot in, in Africa? <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> Isn't that cockatoo? Yeah, I don't remember. It's been a while since I've seen any of them. <laughs> Actually, Ernie, you probably have done this. It'd be like going and watching like Guns N' Roses and they're playing like a small club now, you know, like or the state fair. They're playing huge stadiums, selling them out, and they're better than they've ever been. Okay, well, see, then it's not like that. that exactly. They can still pack them in.